listening to this thing we call art, a podcast about one-on-one conversations with different people, because we need to have more of them. We need to have a group or something. We need to be able to, you know, support each other or like air some grievances or something like that. You know, there needs to be a safer space. I'm your host, Kelly Lloyd, a visual artist, essayist, and educator currently based in the UK. I've been interviewing people in the arts about their livelihood since 2017, and today you're going to hear a conversation I had with Gregory Bay on the 9th of February, 2021, who, at 35 years old, tragically and unexpectedly died in Chicago on the 19th of July, 2021. Gregory Bay was born on Groundhog's Day in 1986 in Salt Lake City. Bay was a multidisciplinary artist based in Chicago. He received his BFA from the Rhode Island School of Design in 2007 and his MFA from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, or SAIC, in 2012. He exhibited his work in Chicago, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York City, Milan, Busan, and Seoul. He won awards from the Chicago Artists Coalition, the Pollock Krasner Foundation, the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, and the Foundation for Contemporary Arts. He attended residencies in Miami, Changju, Seoul, and Spartanburg. He was the co-founder and director of Chicago API Artists United, or CAAU, the Asian and Pacific Islander Artists Collective, and the co-director for Bill's Auto, an exhibition space in Chicago. He was a lecturer in the Painting and Drawing and Contemporary Practices Departments at SAIC and adjunct assistant professor in the Art Department at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Greg and I met at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago in 2011 when I was a post-baccalaureate student and he was an MFA student. We were both a part of a Chicago art community for years, running into each other at openings and parties. We were put back in touch when he began dating my friend and his partner, Allie Ashman, and because of that, I was lucky enough to see Greg in London several times. He asked me to have an exhibition at Bill's Auto in 2019, and I'm glad I got a chance to work with him in that way. His kindness and generosity that I had experienced as a friend was extended to me as an artist under his care. I'm so thankful that I got a chance to have this good long conversation with Greg and that I get a chance to share it with you now. Our conversation was three hours long, and while I wish I could share it with you in its entirety, today you'll listen to excerpts from it. I'm going to drop you in halfway through. Before I got hired to teach. I'd been trying to get my foot in the door to teach for several years, but I was kind of always just getting sort of turned around and like, like sometimes there'll be like bullshit things where like, they would be like, Oh, we lost your resume or, you know, like, can you, can you reapply or, you know, things like that. I'm like, you, you know, and like you're, you're interviewing for jobs. So you don't want to be like, fuck you. You know, you want to be like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. You know, here's, here's another one. And let me draft up an even better letter, you know, cause you, cause you want the job. You don't want to be like, I already did that. I attached it as a PDF. Like <laughs> I can see the record of it right here. Like, all right. Um, but anyway, I would still do those and they would, I would still come up empty, you know, like, um, which means I would have to keep doing these other jobs that I was doing. Um, and, um, you know, at the same time, these are my, like, the, there are peers of mine that have been now, at this point, teaching for, like, seven years or something, you know? That's a long time, you know? And um, I haven't gotten anywhere in, in in progressing professionally at this point, 
really. Um, I mean, I've had like maybe a few shows here and there, but like nothing really happening the same kind of way. There's no career yeah. that's developing, you know, yeah, at yeah, least yeah. at least in a tangible uh, way that I can really feel momentum or anything. Yeah. Um, it seems to, if there is something that feels like momentum, it kind of seems like it's shot down pretty quickly. Like, for example, like you, like you do a show and then there's like nothing that kind of like they actually instrumental, like, you know, where you don't know where it actually puts you. It might actually put you in a worse place. But like to get back to my point, you know, some of my friends have been like, you know, teaching for a long time now. And um, I'm trying to get my foot in the door teaching for a while because that life actually sounds pretty good to me. I hear them talk about it. Um, it sounds rewarding. And, you know, they say it's difficult and stuff like that. But in my mind, I'm like, you know, that can't be harder than laboring all the time. You know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm like, you know, I want that, you know, and, and surely I'm qualified too. There was this one time when um, I overheard a group of, again, peers of mine. These are literally people that graduated after me or with me. They're all white men and they're talking about their students. And there's like a large Asian student population. And they're like talking about cultural differences and like, how to pronounce things like their names and like, you know, how to deal with certain classroom scenarios and all this stuff is like stuff that they have to deal with. And I'm kind of thinking like, yo, this is so simple. Y'all just need to hire more Asian teachers who actually can relate to the fucking demographic that you are yeah. educating, you know? So like I'm sitting there having a beer and I'm like, Hey, you should hire more Asian teachers. And they're all just like, well, have you thought about teaching? You should do it. And I'm just like, God damn it. They're complaining about money all the time, too. So that's kind of why I thought like we're like kind of in the same boat. They're like, oh, I'm broke. I'm like, oh, yeah, me too. Word. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's split that Uber. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it turns out when they say they're broke and I say I'm broke, we're not talking about the same thing. I'm like literally like talking about I have under 10 bucks in my checking account or I'm yeah. under and I'm thinking about paying rent. That apparently is not yeah. the same um, deal with some of these people that I was talking about. And I'm like, yeah. oh shit. Okay. You know, I really need to get into this teaching game then if that's what at stake. Yeah. And that's what I mean by like, it's been a big upgrade. Not only is it more like, you know, honorable or something like that to teach. So like, you know, it sounds better when I can tell my parents that I like teach college. Like they're like, oh good. You know, cause being an artist is not ideal for an immigrant son. That's not the American dream here. So um, so me being able to say that, like, oh, I'm teaching college, like, you know, I'm like a, like a professor. They feel like, you know, there's some kind of respectability in that or something like that. Rather than saying, like, I'm a laborer or I'm doing odd jobs and shit. So, yeah, so that's kind of what I mean. Like, it's been a big upgrade. Like, I'm more financially stable. But, like, with that, my perception changes and I, like... It doesn't make me feel like I'm not poor. I feel like, you know, I can eat tomorrow. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm about to skip a meal. But I do uh, think that this is still not enough. Like, I hear what they're saying, but like, yeah, you know, it's just but like, man, I was really in the shithole before. <laughs> I'm really thankful that we're having this conversation. And, and it's just really like, I don't know, it's... Um, 
Yeah. And I'm just kind of sorry, you know, like it's really interesting, like in my mind, you know, like you've always made good work. And so like, when I think about you, I don't think about all the things that you're not like, I think about all the things that you are, but then we also don't have conversations with one another sometimes about like how difficult things actually are and all those applications that are getting lost, you know, because that that's someone not paying attention. That's like someone not paying attention to the amount of faculty they have, like who's on their faculty, how many times they've applied, like what, you know, what their identities are, like what's the demographic of the students, like how do you meet the needs of the students, like how do you get other people into (laughs) the educational experience, like, like to show the students that the art world is not just this one thing, you know, and, and, um, and so I like knew that you were going through this, but I didn't know it, you know? I mean, there, there was a time when I, I was like kind of taking tally because it started to get in my head a little bit. And I was like, okay, let me actually really analyze what's going on here. Um, so like, for, for example, right now across two institutions, UIC and SAIC, the Art Institute, currently uh, I am teaching one class at each school this semester, which I'm very, very grateful for. And um, let's see, I have a total of near 40 students, okay, across two schools, right? Um, One is public, one is private, so there's diversity, um, which means it's a pretty good sample case of who's coming into Chicago to learn art and who wants to be an artist to these both fine institutions. there is literally one white male student in both my class. This, this person goes by he, but I don't know what their orientation is or anything like that. So like they might be marginalized. They might, I don't know their total demographic. Um, but, uh, but on the surface level, what I'm talking about here, there is one white male student. Fa- faculty wise though, there are a lot of white men teachers. So What's happening here is that if you look about it statistically, all those other people don't really stand that good of a chance to get a job in education teaching, which is, as I was highlighting before, one of the better ways to sustain being an artist because otherwise you're going to be a laborer or you're going to do some other shit that doesn't give you the same kind of time and space to make work. Um, It might drain you in a different kind of mental way, but like it's not the same. Um, which is interesting to think about because it makes me feel super fucking lucky to be teaching. And I already knew that. I already have the experience of trying to get hired. And I'm like thinking like, why is this the case? And the other thing that I'm noticing is I'm having a few repeat students and, um, you know, a lot of these students are bringing some like serious content to the table. Like, you know, some of it I can... um, sympathize with some of it, some of it I can actually empathize with. Now, when, when these students are making work about their content, um, you probably want a teacher who can kind of relate to this experience to kind of, you know, kind of figure out the mechanics of like what's going on here. And if, if it's worth pursuing the way that you are, like, you know, just to even, even just to talk about it, like even just to be comfortable, I think. And I think that's that's fantastic. So what I then what I realized, like we had a few like, you know, big faculty, like, you know, uh, orientation type, you know, things. And 
there was this one there was this one super awkward one where we which I was necessary we did one that was about like microaggressions and navigating you know race uh with your students and there was this like question that kind of came up a few times where apparently uh some of some of these uh white male teachers or just white teachers i guess aren't they they're not comfortable talking about content you know especially with their students you know so like all of this to me means the same fucking thing like hire a more diverse faculty like it doesn't mean like you know white people don't get what they're getting it just means like hire other people too that's all i'm saying you know it's not like i'm trying to take anything away um but there's clearly a problem here. There's clearly something that doesn't match up. And also, yo, if these students aren't, like, as the pandemic has shown, if these students aren't enrolling, then you're not going to have a fucking job, you know? And also, like, what better way to celebrate um, what's going on with our changing demographics in the United States by giving them teachers that they can actually relate to, you know? Um, I think that's really important. Um, I think back on my education, I had a lot of white teachers, you know, especially in art. Um, in fact, were they all white? God damn, let me think about this. No, no. Um, not until grad school, at least. Um, in grad school, I had one non-white advisor, I think. Um, I mean, I had some, I had some, I had some queer advisors, but, um, anyway, that's, that's wild. Um, that is wild to think about. Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm thinking like, okay, I've actually like unlearned a lot of things that I was taught that I thought were just like universal, like kind of things. And, you know, as I developed as an artist, I kind of realized these things are actually what I'm critiquing and it's not what I want to be a part of. Where I want to have my own kind of legacy. I want to do my own thing. Mostly because it didn't matter how skilled I got at oil painting, for example. Like, I could be, like, a, a phenomenal oil painter. And I hate to say this, but, like, I mean, I love to say this, but I was. You know, I was super fucking good. But, like, they're not, but they, there's no way that, like, you know, I would get seen or celebrated in that kind of way. Um, at least in, at the time that I was, like, doing that, you know. Maybe there's some room now today, hopefully that would be cool. But at the same time, I feel a little weird out about that because like, it's a very, very niche European tradition that is permeated through contemporary art and is now a global thing, much like the English that we are speaking right now, which, you know, I love, like, I love the English language, but at the same time, like, you know, it's something to think about and, um, making art is something that I do feel like I have enough fluidity and agency where I can kind of change some of these fundamental seemingly seemingly uh universal things um you know it's it's a it's a critique of cultural um i don't know materiality or something like that um it's, it's funny I, i've never tried to put it in words exactly because i try to think more in ideas not in anyway um so you know, I had to unlearn a lot of things that I was just kind of taught that I gained all the skill in. And um, it's because I had white teachers who learned from white teachers who learned from white teachers and who and so on and so forth, you know. Um, and at the time when I was a student, most of the students were white, actually. Most of the students at art school um, where I went to 
were white. And there was <laughs> also peppered stories with microaggressions and racism and blah, blah, blah. But let me move forward. Like, but now I am a teacher and I'm looking at my students and that is not the case. Um, so, you know, maybe mix it up a little bit too, faculty-wise. Um, which I think, uh, I think they're making an effort to do, but... Um, Maybe they can be a little more uh, active about it. I don't know. Um, really a little faster. And I get it. Like, you know, at the same time, that's not the only thing that's changed. Also, the way that people are able to live and make a living has changed, too. And there's a reason why some of these people won't let go of their jobs. You know, I don't think any of these teachers um, are like consciously like trying to like do like, yeah, I'm like instilling white supremacy on you. Like, I don't think anybody <laughs> like is like actively thinking that when they're doing it. You know what I mean? But there is a lot of like, you know mechanisms that are at play and that's kind of what i'm talking about not not i'm not questioning people's intentions or like you know anything that's good or bad and of course there are plenty of young students who don't even realize they go there wanting to learn these things you know they want to but um you know you kind of ask some questions like why do you think this is the thing to learn and it's like what we're talking about it's like why do you think this is the way that you gain recognition that you gain self-value what is it about learning this white world and a lot of it has to do with that um yeah yeah i think a lot about that in terms of like why form is just like so drilled into you you know at least in our school and it's like oh it's because you're navigating around content because like you can't speak right. to it and so that's one reason why we continue to like uphold these racist and like you know very limited things at the heart of the art world is because we just refuse to talk about content <laughs> and and like you know or like it's really fascinating like reading through people's applications whenever I've been on panels and you could tell people just straight out of some of these institutions just trying desperately to navigate around to say the right thing and a lot of that has to do with like yeah saying like you know what I'm interested in light and then you're like, no, like that is so boring or like, or they clearly have a lot of content in their work that they are afraid to talk about because they don't think that's the thing that is going to get them the opportunity. Instead, they talk about like, yeah, like color and form and like, you know, like materiality, but it's like a material is a culturally specific thing. So like, talk about that. That's interesting. I mean, I, I was I was one of those kids too, but I, I think I was actually taught that is kind of what I'm saying, you know, like I was taught to address and like navigate forms in these very, like, you know, um, sometimes boring ways, you know, you know, there, there is a lot of interesting theory behind uh, some of this shit too, but um, in the end, like, it's, it is what I was taught. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't help but think like, maybe I've got some blind spots here because, um, a lot of the dialogue discourse that I participate in um, does revolve around, you know, at least college level educations of, of art. So, like, I know that there are a lot of other art communities out there that are making stuff, but, like, you know, here we are swimming around in the system. Something that I'm think is so important that somebody else said ages ago, I have no idea who said it, but it's like, you have to unlearn taste because mm -hmm. you can't, you have to learn how to like other things, you mm -hmm. know? Like you have to learn how to listen differently to people. 
Mm -hmm. Um, because otherwise, if you're like, well, I like what I like, then like, you're only going to like a very small portion of the world that you've been taught to like. Um, and you do have to do the hard work of like unlearning all that shit. Kelly, do you, I don't know if you remember this, but like even back when we were in grad school, which, um, was like circa 2011 around that time, which, which I guess shouldn't seem like that distant of the past, but it was such a different world back then that I remember kind of, uh, you know, wandering through critiques and of course, naturally I'm very interested in how, the other people of color are being, you know, critiqued and talked about. Um, and I do feel like I, rec- I, I do recall there was a sort of palpable um, discourse that was really, really about form specifically. Um, like, you know, it was, it was, a lot of it was formal language. A lot of it was like, that was like where the, the high intellectual stuff was percolating in the painting department, at least at that time. And I do remember like kind of thinking, man, we can, we like, we can kind of start to get into content a little bit, but like the thing that everybody was reactionary against as people of color was about playing the race card. That was like something that you did not want to do. Like you didn't want to like rely on like, you know, who you were as, as part of your work, which is, is, is really odd to think about now because in in every other aspect of life these things in terms of systems that are being played out in the world are disadvantages right in art though where where you can talk about content explore your things it's the only time where it is actually something you can use and to kind of put that down or to be afraid to use it i think is incredibly misguided you know, is absolutely wild and insane to think about. Like I, I was doing these portfolio reviews for possible incoming students. And I had this one uh, kid had dropped out of college, had had a rough life. And um, she was trans and had a very difficult upbringing in life. And like was talking about stuff and was making really dope ass work with incredible content. And also like was very inventive with form for that reason. Also, what they were telling me about the work was incredibly interesting. And, you know, all these stories of being marginalized and kind of overcoming things I kind of could relate to, maybe not in the exact same kind of way, but I kind of relate to that. But the the kind of emotional vibe that they were giving off of being unsure of themselves and not and like being like, well, this is what I make work about, but it's not really about anything, like, you know, like, but th- I don't think it's even that important, you know, like this kind of thing. I was like, no, what are you doing? Like, you should, you should be, you should feel good about being able to talk about this, to have an avenue where you can kind of do this. And also like, it's clear the life that you've lived, all these things that have worked out for you with your family and everything like, yo, this has been shit for you. Like, I'm not going to lie. I think you're really brave and amazing, but in your application, when you write about your work, talk about these things. Don't be shy. And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, look, it might be uncomfortable, but I think it's worth it to be vulnerable in this scenario because in your case right now, if you want to play the game, it's going to be good. It's going to yeah. be good. And you need to actually use your disadvantage to an advantage in a judo technique kind of way when you can. Like, you've got to do this. Um, you, can, you can go to this school, apply to all of them and get the best scholarship you can and start thinking about grad school. I think you actually are already an artist. Think about, like, just, you probably don't know this, but Yale is, like, the top school. And they're like, Yale? I can't see myself. I'm like, look, you could, you know. 
and use the cards that you've been dealt in life that are disadvantages to an actual advantage when you can, which is in art. And I just like, man, I just look back to like being shy about content when I was in grad school and thinking about like, man, I don't want to be labeled as like, you know, an Asian artist or like, you know, or like this or that or like, you know, and like that, that's, that's fucked up. I mean, again, right. Like this would be solved if there was more diversity because like what I saw happening whenever there was a hint of something else going on is like, that's what people fixated on and would not let go and would not see with any like level of complexity. Like I had some advisors that were like, have you ever looked at Betty Sarr's work? And I'm like, my work and Betty Sarr's work are on the opposite sides of the universe. You're literally only just naming off all the black people that, you know, like this is not helpful to me whatsoever. Like look at the work in front of you and then maybe do some research. Like I'm more than happy for you to like, tell me some black names, but at least have them be like somewhat related to what I'm doing. Um, And I mean, I think this is like such a difficult thing, Greg. And like, And I think it's an additional burden, which like sucks, you know? And I mean, I think this, a couple of things, right? Like, um, you know, in the United States, when they desegregated schools, like they laid off so many black teachers and they like bust black students into like white neighborhoods, you know, it's like, it's like you didn't integrate the school population like by like diversifying teachers. You kept them all white teachers and then forced these kids to do work that adults should have been doing to accommodate for their needs instead of having to like deal with like at this point, right? Like, you know, decades worth of not having teachers that actually see them as human beings, but rather seeing them as like statistics. And so like, we, again, I think as people of color in the institution are forced to negotiate like what parts of ourselves we want to play when to get opportunities because we know on the other side of the admissions panel or like the majority of the people at our critique or like our new advisor, like they're going to be white people who like see us as one dimensional in some ways and are going to see our work through that being one dimensional. So like, while I totally agree with what you're saying, like, I feel like that can only be played at certain points. Cause if you play it too early or if you play it too often, like no one will ever think your work is about anything else. That was exactly the thing. Like, um, yeah, like that's why you were kind of afraid to like, quote unquote, pull a race card was because you don't want to be seen as um, like, you want to be, you want to be legitimate, you know, that's kind of like a, a, a thing that is in your head. Which is like, oh, man, it's it's weird because you kind of need to you need to put a big part of yourself aside, um, in a deliberate way, not even in like a a subconscious way. Like, it's it's a situation. I don't I don't even know what to make of it. But um, not that every you know person of color artist needs to be like making work about you know race or something where every queer artist needs to be making work about being queer that's not what i'm talking about but um if there is something in there like there is something about this experience that kind of drives content to a degree and ah, man i i at this point in my life i don't see how it cannot because it's a part of every experience that you have no matter what um you know there's going to be something in there there's going to be a kernel in there that needs to be explored and (sighs) 
if I, if I if I had a student of mine that was just making work that was stereotypical to their uh, marginalization or their um, their identity, it doesn't even have to be marginal. Like you know, actually, even when it's just like you know, white kids that are making quote unquote white art, I try to get them to kind of question that and kind of explore that a little bit further. Like you know, expand a little bit. Like you know, get a little more complex. Um, so yeah, if I have students that are making shit like that, then I'm going to be like. <laughs> is this really how you want to be seen? You know, do you have more to add to this conversation here? Because because if that's what you put now, then like maybe that is how you're going to be seen. But like, that doesn't mean you can't talk about who you are. Don't be afraid of that. But like, let's round that out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because it has to be seen as like not a flavor to add or something or uh, something to like uh, assimilate into, but like another body of things that you can you can point to in your work or repeat like a call and response, you know, like we can't just always be, you know, responding to like, you know, <laughs> like modernism or postmodernism or, you know, whatever, like the grid or it's like when we respond to these things, we respond to them because we want to be seen inside of the art history in a certain way, but we need to like see these other cultures that we're a part of as live active things that we also need to respond to as opposed to like seeing our culture as processed through contemporary art and then needing to assimilate into that or something you know yeah kind of like I mean to, to go with what you're saying like there's always the flip question that I had afterwards where I was like god damn am I making white art <laughs> for sure yeah yeah and I think about like my favorite artists and like still good chunk of them are white I mean I have I've only been teaching for three semesters I I absolutely love it I, I have this issue and maybe it's because of how I dress but um a lot, a lot of students probably also my behavior sometimes but like my uh juvenileness but um they're surprised that I'm a teacher but like you know at the same time that kind of adds up to like maybe these kids just aren't used to seeing um especially Asian men as uh, faculty members, fine art faculty members, rather. I know that there are Asian teachers in other fields, but um, maybe the art world hasn't seen that many uh, Asian artists or art stars uh, in the West, at least. Tell me again about this new network that you formed or like this collective or this... Let me Let me segue into it this way. The other thing that I kind of you can't help but become aware of is that to kind of get anywhere to do anything or to, to be anywhere to be anyone um, you do need a network and you need people that kind of allow you opportunities to kind of be put in these places. So um, for example, um, you know, like I didn't get into teaching. I mean, I tried for a handful of times, but um, it, it did, it, somebody did need to let me have that, you know, this, this could have happened in all stages of life, up and, and especially to get into the school and to be in the school. You need support to be there. Um, and uh, what goes on is even after school, like, you know, who's going to help you to sustain and, be, and to keep living as an artist? Like, there is a certain amount of, like, your own, like, volition and your own kind of ambition that you have to carry. But, um, you know you need to be able to find support and a network or something that's going to help you um, achieve these things. And if you don't have that network, then um, 
you you're going to have a much more difficult life, frankly. So all these things kind of in play in the reality that we live in, um, it became kind of urgent for me to start a coalition of Asian, Asian American, um, which is a weird demographic to try to encompass because it's so vast, like, you know, Pacific Islander, like, you know, um, like, you know, where, who, who does that, who does that entail? And who does it not entail? Anyway, um, let's just put a broad umbrella term on it and just call it Asian, uh, coalition of artists and art writers, you know, people that work in the art field, um, that are in my network that I've, that I've gotten to know throughout being in Chicago and being an artist, um, and to kind of let us congregate, let us like have a space and be a, a group of, of sorts, a loose group, a cohort where we can kind of, um, know what each other are up to and, uh, we can kind of get together and actually be amongst each other and talk about things, um, which can be totally inane from like, you know, just talking about your life, talking about your family, talking about whatever to talking about, uh, bigger things or, you know, anything, you know, just for us to kind of have a space together. This is something that I've been kind of thinking should, should be, uh, at least in Chicago for a while, because I hadn't seen or experienced anything like that. Um, but I did start to like, I started to know other Asian people that are navigating the same circles that I am. And, um, the idea was to kind of pull us together and to have some kind of solidarity, um, to, to not, not that everybody has to get along with each other, but to at least, you know, know each other and to, and to have something there available for us. Um, so, um, what would happen was throughout in the past, I would have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with these different people. And sometimes, uh, we would enter into these kinds of conversations not dissimilar from what we're talking about right now and thinking like, man, we need to like have more of this. We need to like have a group or something. Um, we need to be able to, you know, support each other or like air some grievances or something like that. Like, you know, there needs to be a safer space, et cetera. Um, and I kind of kept on just like, you know, I don't want to be the one to do that. I'm like an introvert. So I don't want to, I don't like putting myself out way too much. And so, but like, it just wasn't coming together. And then finally, during the pandemic, um, amidst all the crazy things that was happening, um, there was also a lot of stigma that was being uh, re rehashed about Asian people. And I was like hearing about these hate crimes and incidents that were happening and some things that were even happening to artists and stuff like that. And um, I was like, you know what, now is as good of a time as any. And so I just wrote an email to all the people that I knew. I didn't like you know, there are people out there that I, that I am aware of, but that I don't know. Like, I don't want to email somebody and be like, Hey, you're Asian. Like, you want to, you want to be, <laughs> like, that's always awkward. I wasn't trying to do that. So I just contacted people that I know, you know, and, um, invited them in and like, let's, let's start this, let's have a group. And, uh, and so we all did. And it was really, um, the response was fantastic. You know, a lot of people didn't even know each other or like, this is like the kind of, average statistic like most people knew maybe like a third or half of the people but like now people are knowing each other more and are aware of each other at least so um so it was really good and it and the response and kind of the energy of it was is fantastic um 
we're not that old. We've only started again in the summer of 2020. But we've, we've got that group now. And, um, you know, um, me trying to spearhead this uh, is taking up a lot of energy and time. But I think it's a good thing. And it's kind of me recognizing that I'm not going to do this by myself. And also, like, it's becoming more and more clear that there's a very good chance that I'm not going to get to do everything in my lifetime that I wanted to do or I wanted to accomplish or wanted to be, but maybe I can make some space for the future. You know, um, maybe I can like do something now that's a little bit more proactive. That's going to set some precedent and bring about some awareness or something like that, that is going to help other kids that might feel similar to, to me now in the future, you know, like, if I don't, or if this doesn't, then there's just a bigger chance that it'll be more of the same in the future. Like another kid that is exceptionally uh, qualified to maybe teach a class or something that, that wants to. Um, I feel like I'm bragging, but like, I don't know. Like I, I am qualified though, God damn it. Uh, but like that might want to, but then like gets their resumes that kick on getting turned around. But like, you know, if we have some kind of a network that is aware of these things and it's just less likely to happen. You know, um, I, I just watched this movie um, about Fred Hampton and, um, you know, just to to take a page from his book, um, not that I'm trying to get assassinated or anything, <laughs> but um, the most ideal situation of this is to link up with other groups, other groups that are like kind of maybe formal or informal that are around, like, you know. And have something, a coalition between all of us, you know, that yeah. way, if something like, let's say something fucked up or weird happens to um, uh, a Latino, Latina, Latinx person at um, an institution. And if that word is certainly going to circulate in their community, but if it can get around to all of us, then it's just less likely to happen to everybody because everybody's going to be more aware of it, which means people are going to be going to do more work to not be bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of what I have in mind. Um, of course, activity has been super limited because everybody's at home all the time. So um, I'm hoping that when we come out of this, come out of this, we can, I can kind of like, you know, we need to solidify a little bit more ourselves too. Um, Cause we're super new, but um, you know, to branch out to, um, other other groups that are in Chicago too, and kind of like have us all aware of each other, have a have a broader coalition amongst everybody. You know, um, the, we're we're trying to let it inherently develop this group. Um, I had you know, I was coming in hot headed, like you know, angry and like fiery because I was just feeling a lot of um, injustice and like you know just felt like there was a lot of work to be done. And I was like organizing all these things in my head. I was getting kind of like, you know, kind of crazy about it. Um, so I had like this like three point, like sort of agenda that I wanted to address, um, which I would like kind of bring up. And then people were like, okay, this is like maybe a little too radical. Like, you know, maybe we can kind of just let it inherently organically develop. And I was like, yeah, okay. That's actually probably a better way to go. Like I said, I'm an introvert and I'm not like, in my, in my opinion, a natural born like leader type. I'm more of like, I try to be alone. You know what I mean? So these things are compatible. 
Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> but to, but to me, like you know, I was I was thinking like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go into this, I'm gonna go in with all my introverted thoughts that are I'm gonna extrovert now, and mm. it's, or, I'm gonna organize and I'm gonna put it in these ways. So my idea was this, and um, and and tr- and true enough, this is actually sort of organically happening anyway. But when I first came in and I like said this, um, people were like, um, let it just develop. You know, that was kind of the advice that I was getting from older heads that had kind of maybe been through something similar, and they were like, okay, you don't want to push it so fast and so hard because, you know, not everybody's going to have the same experiences as you and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, true. But like, that's why it's divided up. Like <laughs> anyway, my, my, I'll, I'll say, I'll say this now um, just for the sake of um, conversation. The idea was to kind of put it out in three ways. Uh, one was um, for uh, promotion and uh, knowing each other. So we can kind of like, champion each other like let's say uh, my friend is having a show somewhere that you know they can always use other people hyping that up for them and kind of you know at least going to check it out you know being more aware of things that they're doing because there are a lot of shows that happen so to kind of build build a little bit of a platform where we can kind of promote and kind of recognize each other and have an idea of what's going on with each other so that's one uh, which has become essentially an instagram page at this point and, um, and of course we, of course people talk amongst each other too. Like there's not everything gets formal this way because sometimes people just have friendships and they just talk like that. But, uh, we, but we do have an Instagram page where, um, we try to post, um, people in the group, their, their shows or things that they're doing. Um, the other, another aspect of this was my idea was to kind of have an, have an activist side. So if if something racist happened then um then there would be a group that can kind of support you or even fight for you you know um or if um like a support group essentially in that in that case um not about like what you're making your shows that you're doing but in how you're navigating the world or how the world is navigating through you rather so like if something happens to you then you can relay this information to a group in this group and they would like give you advice, rally behind it. I have a very good um, story about this. Like for example, one time uh, just last fall, um, I was out teaching, and we had these long lunch breaks that were being put in place because of the pandemic. But I needed to do a canvas stretching demo for a class that I was doing remotely at home. So during my lunch break, I went to um, the art supply store and got stretcher bars and canvas because I don't use that shit anymore. So I went to go get it. And I was on my way back, and um, this unmasked, like, I'm guessing 30-something-year-old white dude um, asked me for a cigarette. I did not want to give him a cigarette because I only had, like, so many left. So I just kind of looked at him, and I, like, shook my head like this. And I'm, like, waiting at the crosswalk. And this is, like, this is, like, the middle of downtown during lunch hour. So, like, there are a lot of people around. It's, like, Wabash and um, Monroe, okay? Right. So yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm like waiting at the crosswalk, you know, minding my own goddamn business. And I hear this guy kind of like yelling behind me and I hear a couple slurs sort of slip out, you know, and I'm like, hold up. Is this guy yelling at me? And like I turned around and this guy is fucking livid. He is pissed off. And he I I, I think he thought that he was just really going to get a cigarette from me or something like I don't know. He was super mad at me. And he was 
telling me that I couldn't even verbally respond. He was saying expletives, came right up to my face and was threatening to punch me, like, you know, doing this like tough guy shit, raising your hands a little bit, like, you know, threatening a punch, you know. And I'm like, dude, I got to go back and teach a class. I cannot deal with this right now. And it's it's like my adrenaline is up. It's in front of a lot of people in public. The crosswalk changes and I'm like, I, I, I'm going to go. I, I need to get back to class. I don't want to deal with this. Um, I don't like violence anyway. I cross the street. Luckily, he doesn't follow me. And I'm like, oh, my God, like... Like I'm like put in a vulnerable position involuntarily. Um, I'm feeling sensitive. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling like I'm just like I'm just, I'm just feeling crazy and I feel upset. And um, I, I go in and just before uh, class, I like wrote something to the group. I'm like, this and this just happened to me, blah blah blah. And um, <laughs> uh, there there's a older head in the in the group who um, had been working in the institution for a while. Um, who no longer is there, but he, because of his knowledge of the school, he had calculated exactly what time I was getting out of class. And as soon as class ended, I got a phone call from him. And he gave me all this advice about what to do with the situation, about reporting it to campus security, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I don't really want to do that. Like, I don't want to. And he's like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, and like, in the end, nothing actually happened. Like, nothing happened. There was no actual altercation. Like, it was uh, super upsetting. And very threatening but like nothing actually happened he's like yeah but like i i get that you don't want to like you know go through all the shit more and you just want to go home blah 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 but it's like but think about it like this like you know this guy just wanted to just be a fucking jackass because he felt you know disillusioned or something like that and he was by the way that he was talking and treating you clearly there was something targeted motivated in this um it could have been any one of your students how about that and he's still out there. And I was like, yeah, okay, you know what? I'm going to go report this. So I did. And so that's one example of how um, another part of this organization has been good, like that kind of thing. Um, of course, in my mind, this could also involve other things like, for example, maybe I have a show and a gallery deals with you in a very weird kind of way or a museum does. Like, you know, maybe that's something that people should know about. So if they do go into that situation, they can be prepared for it or know that that's kind of the sort of person that they might be dealing with, you know? Not saying that you don't want that opportunity, but like, you know, maybe you can kind of have some context about who this is or what might happen um, or might not happen. Anyway, so there's that too. So I've got these two things. And the third one, which I think is the most important, is just for community. is just for us to get together and shoot the shit and, you know... Uh, maybe when things clear up, we can party together in person a little bit. So we do like Zoom cocktails and stuff like that um, where we can actually just like be friends with another and actually get to know each other because, you know, that's kind of like the foundation for all of this, like to feel comfortable enough to kind of talk about any of these things or to genuinely promote any of these things. You do kind of need to be friends and know these people. And um, also, even if you don't do any of that, you have friends and, you know, that's cool. So that's kind of the three things, it's like this side of activism, this side of promotion, and this side of community. That's that's what I'm driving for. Um, and I'm sure this can be expanded in, in all sorts of ways. But, um, you know, uh, that's that's the gist of what I have in mind for this group. And it's not my own thing. I need to stress that. Um, 
I, I did wrangle people together and it's since grown a lot. Like people have been like, oh, this person might be interested in this. This person is interested in this. Can you contact them? Blah, blah, blah. So we've like kind of expanded, but it is, um, it is, uh, you know, democratic do things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what's up. So good. Um, what a beautiful gift to have. Like once all of this ends, like actually community to step into. Uh, some of us met up in a park one time last summer, um, which was fun, but obviously like, you know, we couldn't even like really share food or anything, which, you know, Asian people love to share food and eat. So <laughs> this is like a big thing. But um, the idea is that when this clears up uh, at Fourth Ward Project Space, shout out to James Cow, Mika Horibuchi and Valentina Zanfresco and Sarah Noah Mark who run that space. Um, they um, they're putting up a show with Michiko Itatani. Uh, the teacher at SAIC, the painter, right? Um, so she's going to do a show there. But the idea is that that's where we're going to, like, that's our first, like, post-pandemic get-together. We're going to get together and, like, you know, what better place than to celebrate this um, this painter that's been working and inspiring so many people for so many years, for decades, and to for, for a group of us Asian people to kind of show up, show up for her and um, hang out and... Obviously, there's going to be a lot of other people, too, because Michiko is, has been around for a long time. So, so yeah. exciting. Um, usually at the end of an interview, I ask if you have any questions for me. And then also um, if there's anything that you thought we would talk about that we haven't talked about or no. if there's anything that you just kind of want to say. No, I think we actually talked about a lot more than what I thought we were going to talk about, which is cool. Let's see. Um, I guess my last question for you is my interest in the project that you're doing here um, is um, so it, it dovetails really nicely with kind of a lot of concepts that you work through in your work. In fact, I think this is maybe an art project that is a part of your work, perhaps. Who knows? Maybe. But like, it's super dope. Um but um, my, my question is, um, so I'm guessing you've interviewed quite a few people. Um, how do those demographics break down so far? Like, how have you, uh, like, yeah, just, just maybe just set that out as a broad question. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you are my 67th interview. Um, and the demographics are not good. Um, so I think, uh, I think, you know, um, the way that I started this project was I thought it was going to be a PhD and then I just didn't get into any PhDs. And so then I just kind of started and, um, I applied to a number of artist residencies with essentially like the same kind of idea of this PhD. Um, and I got into the artist residencies and I just wanted to start to see what the project was. Um, and I started meeting people through the institutions because like, it's a difficult conversation to have with someone. So you almost need someone to trust, you know, even if it's just like an administrator in an institution or like a friend who refers another friend or something. Um, I think once I actually met up with somebody who just wanted to kind of make sure I wasn't a psychopath, you know, before he like talked to me, um, which was like totally fine, of course. Um, so I've just kind of been talking to people who want to talk to me. 
um, and doing that in, um, you know, these very white places um, and through institutions that typically circulate like fairly young people. Now, I think, I think I have to do the clunky thing of like targeting specific populations um, that I think will just have to be kind of clunky or clumsy just for the sake of like it needing to be something I have to do. Um, you know, I have up until this project not been able to pay people. Um, so I think if I am kind of doing some demographic targeting, like I need to pay people <laughs> and hopefully I can retroactively pay people as well. So that's the next hope is that maybe my next grant can be a larger grant. And then I can include in that budget paying people from the past as well as continuing to pay people in the future. Um, so, so the people that I have kind of lined up for these 10 interviews, I did try to like, you know, have some like diversity in there. Uh, the age thing I think is really difficult for me because I just like truly don't know that many young people or that many older people. Um, I, I need to look into that. Um, but so I think that's kind of really one of the next phases of the project. And I think it also kind of combines with another phase of the project is like actually paying people. Yeah, no, I, I'd be curious to kind of like, you know, compare my experiences with other people. So that's, that's kind of the reason why I'm asking, um, because we're talking about it in a very candid way. So um, yeah, I think it's a great archive that you're going to build and I'm really curious about it. We had a good conversation. Yeah, it was, that, was, that was fun. It was good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some points were not so fun, but I think um, we're obviously like really important and really important to talk about together, um, but then also like on the record. So thank you for that. I'm flattered and happy to be a part of this. Um, so thanks for inviting me, for sure. You can learn more about Greg and his work by going to his website, gregorybay.com. If you're in Chicago, Julius Caesar opened two solo shows of Greg's work on the 29th of January, and the Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago will have a solo show of Greg's work in June. You can find the links to all of these events in the show notes on the website, thisthingwecallart.com, as well as excerpts from conversations I've had with people in the arts over the years. This podcast was funded by the Arts Council England, ArtQuest, The Gain Trust, and Tilla Studios. If you would like to help make the next season of this podcast a reality, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes, becoming a Patreon member, or donating through the PayPal link on the project's website. The logo was designed by Eva Duerden. The episode artwork was created by Fiona Riley, and the theme song was made by Alessandra Moroni. This podcast was produced by me, your host, Kelly Lloyd. Thanks so much for listening, and tune in next week for my conversation with Gordon Hall.